things that happened this last week. Just, uh, you know, sort of the, the nation's wounding and, and not just even what happened in Boston, but also the, the, the event in Texas. It just, you know, is a, I, I really, you know, we had a vision for the service that um, I think has taken on even an additional meaning to us, uh, even the way in which we're closing the service out. There's something about it that's, that is, is healing and um, I think that's a good thing for us to share in. You know, we've been talking about moving forward. And it's really hard sometimes to move forward after you've been deeply wounded or experienced tragedy. And that's going to be part of the, the challenge here. And, and yet, um, I know the Lord is, is present, even in the midst of, of all the evil and the unfairness and the suffering. God, God's grace is still present. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. I'm going to ask God to just be with us, not only us, but also to bless all those, Lord, who were, were wounded and, and just the pain, Lord, that we feel as a people, um, I just we just want to s- send out blessing and grace. We pray that it would come as it already has in ways that, that sometimes aren't even noticed. But they're there. You're present. Touch people. Use people in the midst of it all. Lord, I'm reminded how sometimes the unfairness of, of life is, is it's just, it's just sometimes so much more of a reality to us and, and the pain and of it, and I, again, I am reminded of your your suffering, and I'm reminded of the cross, and I'm reminded of what you did when you entered into this violent world, this unfair world, and you suffered such indignity, and yet you your love was greater still, and so we just we just pray for the, for all those who who are hurting. We we pray for all those who even weren't there, but but have indirectly felt just a deep wounding. Uh, we pray grace and life, Lord, and I pray that all of us would be encouraged to move forward in trust, um, knowing how fragile this life is, we still are invited to trust you with our lives and to embrace the promise of life. And so we thank you, Lord, and uh, we pray that you would be near to us even now as we share this word together. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, God. Let it be, Lord. Now, we've been talking about Psalm 92, and, and this is where... Uh, you know, the 92nd Psalm is a very interesting psalm. We're going to look at the first five verses in a moment again. But uh, we talked about this idea of moving forward in, our, in faith and in life and in our walk with God. And so this has to do with the idea of, of advancing and expansion and, and growing. And I'm going to suggest there's a paradox, that one of the paradoxes to moving forward in, in the spiritual Christian life is actually connected to the idea that sometimes we can't move forward unless we're willing to pull back. So we're going to sit with that. We're going to hopefully think about it and put our, our lives at this, at this sort of this place as well and, and listen for the wisdom of God and, and maybe even think about if there's some things that we're to, to adjust and implement. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, Psalm 92 in these first five verses. And, and we, we read the following. It says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night, and then on the instrument of ten strings, on these ancient instruments that are described here, just different versions of what we have, really, on the lute and on the harp, and with harmonious sound, it is good to declare you, Lord. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work, and I will triumph in the work of your hands. O Lord, how, how great are your works and your thoughts. They're just... They're just so very deep. And that last phrase, the idea of God's thoughts being very deep, 
It's a reminder that the Christian life is not a life that, that is simply only to be at a surface level. I know, I know, there, I know it's possible to live um, with Jesus and at, at, at the level of the surface. I, I, understand, I think it, there is something about embracing him by faith. It's such a simple gift. And, it, and if we do this, there's no question there's something of God that we can experience. But can you hear me when I say that there is a depth to God that um, can only be found when, when we determine in our heart to go below the surface with our commitment. It's like most things that are valuable, um, they, they cost something. That, that a life with God that's really flourishing and growing and moving through rough places well is a life that, that has depth to it. And depth is connected to a willingness on our part to explore deeper things and not just kind of live it out in a very surface way. Again, I, I know the gospel is so simple. I mean, it's so simple that a child can understand it. And what, when many of us were first introduced to God's love, it was like, this is, this is the plan of God. And, and, and he, God so loved this world, he gave his only son. And if you believe in him, you would not perish, but you have the undying life of God now and forever flowing out as just staying with John because he didn't send his son in this world to condemn it. It already has death and unfairness and brokenness all over it. That's a reality of life on, in this broken world. But God sent his son not to condemn it. It was already a broken building. He, he sent his son that we might have life, that we might be saved, that through him we might be saved. And so, you know, that's simple. I mean, I remember some of us, not all of us, I know, but some of us grew up, in, we, we were brought to church. We were, some of us taught, were taught stories out of the Bible. We were taught about Jesus. And uh, that was something we could understand. And even now, anyone sometimes can understand the simplicity of who Jesus is and how beautiful God's love is. But listen, there's, even, there's so much more than that. And it's like, a, it's like there are some things that can be found in the shallows, and there are some things that can only be found in, when we go to the deeper waters. And deeper waters bring us into questioning places. It's a kind of faith that is not simply um, only on the surface with its root system, but it's gotten deeper. And so it can endure things. It can work through things, even unanswered things, even things that can never be adequately explained to us. But there's a, there's a deepening of trust and love. And even like when you explore God's word, it, it starts to take on tremendous meaning because the more you get into it, the more you realize it's like this this amazing holy labyrinth of unexplored rooms, one leading to another. The, the greatest minds in the world can spend a lifetime and never comprehend the depth of God's word. It's so amazing in its dimensions, and the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. The more you think about things and explore the Lord, the more you realize how much there is. And yet at the same time, it's based around simple truths. Truly, it's like the parable of Jesus when he said, a, a, a man bring the kingdom, what shall I like in the kingdom of God? It's like a man who brings out of his treasure things new and things old, right? It, there's something about it. And the Lord invites us to the deeper places, and that's a big part of what we've been talking about. But I thought, you know, there's a lot about depth that only comes when we are still. And so, I mean, again, st sitting with this thought that there are some ways that our growth is actually going to be connected in our maturity and our character formation uh, it's going to be also connected to our willingness to be still. And we live in a very uh, active world, a very um, kinetic. It's, it's alive. It's, we, we, we've never had 
more choices of entertainment at our disposal on a whim, we uh, 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 touch away. We've never had more access to information. In fact, the issue is no longer access to information. It's delineating the scope of that information and actually not being overwhelmed by the amount of it. So we have in completely different challenges, but one of the challenges that we now face in this very modern world of ours is that a lot of it gravitates, a, a, gravitates against a deeper life with God because it pulls us away from being still. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. I'm going to just, looking back at that psalm we just read, just kind of put up three things that were connected to it. We, we talked about these, we touched them last week, but I just want to kind of make, and, and I'm just going to put these, list these three very quickly because I'm going to go in a slightly different direction. But I want to suggest that what we've, based on what we just read, there is a rhythm, there is to be a rhythm, or there's a wisdom that is found in developing uh, an order and a, and a rhythm to our devotional life. I'm also going to suggest that based on this 92nd Psalm that, that there is a, a unique blessing that's connected to the morning time. And then also that there is a value in declaring God's faithfulness at the close of our day or in the nighttime. So thinking of all of these things that are, all, that are mentioned here, again, verse 2 being the, the key verse there, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. But looking at that first one for a moment, and just thinking about this, you know, I don't know if you noticed it, but there's, two, there's a couple of words there. There's the idea of order, there's the idea of rhythm, and there's devotions. Um, if, by the way, someone said, what, is de, what, is it, what do you mean by devotions? And I, and I realize that sometimes that becomes part of a, the more exposed we are to, to sort of Christian vernacular, if I can use that way, there's, the more you're exposed, you, you get, oh, people know what that is, but not everybody does. You know, we talk about devotions a lot of times. We are talking. If I were to simplify it down to its most basic definition, it was basically it's the, it's the dedicated, dedicated time we spend with God. Just time with God. When we're being attentive and we're, we're listening, a lot of times we, we're reading his words. Over the years, in the centuries, really, over the millennia, the idea of having devotions as a part of our Christian life, as a growing life with God, moving forward, is just, in, it's just embedded in that that there's almost no real way to develop health in our Christian life, in our life with Jesus, if we're not actually creating time to devote ourselves to his love, his grace, his reality. So in other words, it might be sometimes when we always talk about, you know, take some time to read his word. Have a, have a time of reading the scripture. We talk about the value of sometimes having a, a modern version of scripture that we can understand. I mean, I, I've... I've told, talked to people about you know, having time to just pray and, and just talk to God and share our heart with him, share our, our day with him, share our life with him, um, listen for his voice, listen to his wisdom. Um, you know, having these, these pieces in our lives. And if I can just, again, I, that, those two words that were there, um, rhythm and order, going back to that, that thought, you know, rhythm and order to our devotions. The idea, there's order and rhythm. Those are actually interesting words, aren't they? Because order is kind of this, this static, you know, when something has an order, it, it, feels, it feels kind of rigid. You know, something has an order to it. And the rhythm is this kind of artsy, you know, word. It, you, you, you feel almost poetic. There's music in it. And I think that's a great way of understanding um, having time with God. In fact, a lot of times when I was just at the beginning of as, Christ, as a Christian, I, we have these things called devotionals, right? Where you can, you can they're, they're more extensive. Sometimes they're very light, but someone will, will have a, like some of them will have a, a little verse and there's a, uh, some commentary around that verse and a key thought for the day. And we even, in, a, in our church, we just keep 
uh, little, little what do we call daily breads for anyone who wants one. It's just like a way of doing a daily little devotional. It has a little Bible reading with it, a little thought, a prayer point. It, my, my thing is, we, anyone can get one of those, by the way, at the Connection Center. But, you know, the idea of having that time with God is very important. And that it's not just out of duty, but, it's, but there's also a joy. You know, we, we often say that, you know, you can get into habits, and it's true, that, that there are times where if we get, you know, into a habit, it can lose some of its value, right? So one of the real challenges for someone as they're, we're growing in our life with God is to keep things alive and fresh. That's true, by the way, in any relationship and, and anything that we really love. It's going to at times require a refreshing, a re- mixing of things from the, the co- consistent routines can oftentimes squeeze out some of the, the value. I was talking to a, a, a young man at, after service uh, last evening, Saturday night, and we were just talking, and I was sharing with him, and he was saying, you know, I felt like when we were talking there that God was really calling me to, re- to just commit myself more intensely, and I was telling him, that, that's really good. I said, and I, I, I really affirmed that, but I kind of knew a little bit about him. I said, but just remember this. When you do that, I said, just also remember that it's important to stay, keep, keep a graceful heart because I had, I had reminded him that at times, sometimes when we get so intense, then we can be, it's easy to become judgmental. And he and I had talked about that a little bit. And I said, just, I go, you know what, you're going to affect people. And so the, here's the challenge, I said, for all of us, to be very committed and to be very gracious, to pursue a life of truth that has depth to it, at the same time to be extraordinarily merciful and forgiving in our relationships. It's so easy to teeter from one direction to the other. And the Lord wants us to, to follow the example of Christ. One of the ways that that happens, who was full of grace and truth, is by having these times in our, in our life where we spend consistent time with the Lord. And it may just be a, a, a habit that we formed. And I get it, you know, the danger of habits or anything is that it can lose its meaning. But then the other thing is, a ha- and, and, and if a habit over time, it can be, actually become a rut, but a habit is, can be a good thing because it keeps us consistent and we stay with things and we've developed a habit. And then the, the challenge is out of that habit, how can I keep that thing alive, right? So it's, it's good to have habits because we tend to do them even when we don't feel like it. But then in the middle of doing that, we need to also see, especially with the Lord, how do I, Lord, stay alive even while I'm doing this good thing, because I can sometimes just be going through the motions of it, and it loses its meaning to me. And Jesus talked a lot about the danger of disconnecting our heart from what we do for God. And he says, be very careful about that. Don't just do things to do them, to do your duty. That's a good thing, he says, but it's not really the best thing. He says, Jesus always taught us, you know, don't just give me the offering, but with a disconnected heart, because for him it was always about our heart. It was, about our, it was about why we were doing what we were doing. That mattered. In other words, love, love matters. It's not just doing our duty. It's, so I'm doing my duty versus I, I, I love you. It's a, it's a big difference. I often think about, again, I, the, the older prodigal in the, Jesus' story, the prodigal son, the older brother was the one who did his duty, but he didn't have the heart of his father for his brother. And the younger one had, had ultimately was forgiven, and he, he understood father's love. You know what I'm saying? And so there's that. that but the benefit of, a, of having healthy habits in our lives, it keeps us connected through the times when it would be easy to drift away.
And one of the benefits of a habit is it can help us. So having a rhythm and an order to our devotional life is very important. Now, one of the ways that that's illustrated, and again, we talked about it, how there is such a blessing in the morning time. And so I'm going to try to make the case that there is a unique blessing of God that is available to us in the morning hour that is unlike any other. And, I can, and one of the things we can do is if we look at the example of Jesus, and I put this passage in your handout, it's from Mark 1, it really does illustrate the wisdom of what we're talking about. So go with me to, to the first chapter of Mark, and let's look at what the example of Jesus was and try to draw from it. It says, there, you know, it says that they were all amazed. So it's, this is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even unclean spirits, and they obey him. I mean, at the time when Jesus just starts onto the scene, he had just had this confrontation with, with a, a demonic, or what the, the scripture refers to often as an unclean spirit. And after an exchange, there was this, this a, a, a tormented, insane man uh, was healed, and the people were actually astonished by it and, and startled as well. And so immediately there's this polarization that occurs around Jesus. Some people were saying, what kind of man is this? Others were saying, he, he is sent from God. Others said, he may even be Messiah. There, there was a, a, people were, were falling on all, it was becoming a wedge issue. And everybody was talking about Jesus and about what he did and his healing. And, and he was extremely controversial. And look what it says here. They were, they were having this discussion. And then we're told very clearly in verse 28, it says immediately his fame spread. It just spread out. It spread throughout the entire region and around the Galilee. So there is this, you know, news and, and, and people are talking about Jesus and he's becoming a very controversial but popular figure in this region. And people are coming to him. And we're told that um, he did something here. It says that now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. The synagogue would have been like us saying, now as soon as they came out of church, they went to the house of Simon. Simon was Peter and Andrew. They went to his house with James and John were there. Again, one of the things where we, it's really clear is Jesus had a pattern of going to church. He had a pattern of synagogue attendance. But what I love about it is, not only does he model to us the value of going, if I can say it this way, of going to synagogue, going to church, but he also models for us the idea of taking it out of the four walls and into our house. And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to over the years who've been wounded because there was a disconnect between how someone showed up in the church and how they were in the house. One of the, thi- and, and one of the things God really wants us to contend for is congruity. So that, and I'm not talking about being perfect. I am talking about being sincerely committed to wanting to honor the Lord in our in our critical relationships, especially in our, in our private life, but also in our public life. I, I love the fact that Jesus was committed to coming to the Lord's house, but he took, if I can say this way, he took church with him into his world. It was lived out there. The, the, a faith that only stays in the church is, is not much of a faith at all. It's got to show up in our, 
in our home. It's got to show up in our relationships. It's it's going to need to show up. And I get it. I know there are times where we have to be sensitive to the unique requirements of our our jobs. and, and, And there's a sensitivity that's required and a submission to policy that's required. But please don't ever let us suggest that we, we, we are not seeking appropriate, active ways to share the fact that we love him. That we are not ashamed of Jesus. For he was not ashamed of us. And he loves us, and we need to let that... And I'm saying is there are times where we need to be, be looking for ways to share the love for God that we have, the, the same words that fill our, our lips when we praise him in the sanctuary, May those same words be on our lips as we live out our life amongst people many times who have great misconceptions of who he is. And I know for some of us it's very scary, but I want to suggest that the life of Christ is meant to be not not just kept to ourselves, but to be shared. And one of the best ways that we do it is by the way in which we live it outside. And and again, that means that I'm open, Lord, to to you challenging me about who I am. I mean, the Bible talks about it. And one, to come into his house and say, I sing to you, Jesus. That same mouth is capable then of demeaning, of, of, you know, swearing someone down or cursing someone. And the Lord says, these things are not to be so. That the same mouth, the same fountain that sends out salt and sweet water at the same time. No. And it's it's really a reminder that all of us are to contend to live with the help of God, a life that shows him and reflects him. And again, I, I, I'll say it, you know, I, I think people, I can't tell you how many, how many, how many kids have been affected, um, family members have been affected because they've seen hypocrisy. And I'm, again, I'm not talking about perfection, but the healing presence of the Lord that shows up in everyday life, that's what I'm talking about. And I wanna, I wanna my desire here is that all of us would become a more growing, authentic, courageous version of a follower of Jesus so that it affects people that we love and we're around. Now, th- look what happens. It says that after, after Je- it says that Jesus goes to Simon's, Simon's house and he, evidently Peter's mother-in-law was sick and she had a fever. And I think we sometimes forget that disease uh, in their day was far more fatal. You know, we... We have amazing um, uh, just medical technology, things that would have killed people generations. We have, we have antibiotics. We have, you know, there were infections and wounds. When someone acquired, they were just dead. Many, many women died in giving birth to children. It'd be, it's, 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 a lot of times it's talked about in the scripture. It's just a reality of their life. Um, these, were, these were more challenging times. And so when Jesus, this Peter's, Peter's mother-in-law is sick, very sick with a fever, Jesus comes into the house. Look what it says happens. It says he took her by the hand and he lifted her up and immediately the fever left her. And she just, and she's, she got up and she started doing what she always did. And she probably said, let's, let's say, I'm going to serve all you have a meal where I, she served them, it says. But the, the touch of Jesus. And it, and it says that in the evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick. So what happens is word gets out and all of a sudden, everybody from the surrounding villages starts showing up. And look what time. It says in the evening time, so after the sun has set, all of a sudden you've got this mass of people. The whole, in a bit of hyperbole here, verse 33, the whole city was gathered together at the door. 
But that's the picture. Nighttime, the, the sun has set, and there's swarms of people coming. They just want to be touched by Jesus. People with, with diseases, infirmities, mental illness, they're all coming here and to get the touch of, the, of Jesus. Because word has gone out that he, he, he can heal. And he can do, th- it's an amazing thing. And so he's just surrounded. It says in verse 34 that he healed throughout the night. Here is the great physician healing body and soul. An amazing moment. He's just swarmed with people. And you know what it says? You know, you would, have, you would have thought it might have said. And the next morning, Jesus, being so exhausted, slept in. I'm, I'm, I'm joking right now, right? Okay. <laughs> it, it says that, what does he do? It says he got, he got up early after a full night of touching and healing and ministering. He got up early before it was even sunlight, before the day had broken, he got up and he went alone to the extent that when everybody else started getting up, the disciples said, have you seen Jesus? Where is he? Look what it says. It says that it says in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and he departed to a solitary place. This is a great verse. And there he prayed. See Jesus in your mind's eye, making his way out softly, into the, into the darkness of the early morning with having spent the entire evening around people, meeting people's needs, and he gets up before everybody else is awake and he, he slips out into the, into the early morning darkness and he finds a place where he's completely alone. And there, in that, in that moment, he begins to pray. And it says that Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they were looking for him, and they couldn't find him. And they found finally, when they did find him, verse 37, they said to him, hey, Jesus, everybody's been looking for you. Where have you been? And he said to them, let us go into the next town that I, I may preach there also because, and I'm going to t- talk about this in a moment, because for this purpose I have come forth. Basically saying is, that doesn't really matter. What matters is it's time for us to go. And I have a, we're going to be leaving and going to another town, for I have a purpose that I have in mind. And now, hear me out. I've got a couple of things I just want to slot in, again, to help us. I want us to be aware of it. Again, connecting back to the Psalm 92 principle of the value of the morning hour. But I'm going to suggest that, there, listen to me now, put this, I'll put this up, that there are going to be times, if we're serious about moving forward with God, there are going to be times when we're going to need to be alone with him. And because, again, we're surrounded with so many voices. I mean, we're, many of us are just always, we, got, we have so much going on around us. There's the, the crowd. And like I said, you know, we, we have so many entertainment options. And, and even when we're down and we're fatigued, you know, we just kind of want to just, just, just entertain ourselves. And I get that. You know, I totally get it. And, and we are surrounded and immersed in technology and that's created access there. You know, I was, I'm looking at, my, I'm looking at my, my kids, especially my youngest one, who is so adept at multitasking stuff. I mean, really good, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm, 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 I'm like going, wow, you, so, how do you do that? You didn't even, you're not even looking. You're just flying all over the place. And, and I'm amazed at it. And then I'm going, wow, do you ever come offline, right? Or is this your world now? Always accessible, always voices, always movement. Because guess what? A deep life with God, a growing life with God has to have time when it's disconnected. 
I'm going to suggest there's a value in simplifying. And maybe more than ever now, some of us need to be intentional about carving out space to be alone with God, to be able to think about his words, to be able to think about our life, to reflect upon his wisdom. How are we, how are we building? What is the architecture of our life? Are we slipping in to habits that are counterproductive? Do we need to realign something, reawaken things? Do we need to refresh something that's gone gone down? Are there relational issues that we're ignoring that we need to address because the Holy Spirit is trying to get our attention? Are there areas in our character that God's wanting us to pay attention to because if unaddressed over time, they will ultimately undermine our credibility and seriously damage not only ourselves, but people we love? A lot of times that clarity, listen to me, if it was true for Jesus in his humanity as God's son, he took time, he took time to be alone. He is our example. And think about what he does. I mean, he pulls out of it, right? And he gets alone. And I, and I thought, wow, you know, I mean, two of my favorite times in the day, I don't know what, uh, some of us all have different, different times that we enjoy. I mean, usually most people say, you know, my favorite time, I always say to them, because I, I love the, the dawn. I do. But I also love the dusk. Right? I love the time right before the sun sets when the, when the day is lighting up. I mean, I mean, when the day is still light at the end of the day. And I like it when it's just beginning and dawn. And it's just about the sunrise. I, like, I love those times. Some, some people, but you know what? Those are great times for reflection. Sometimes I, it's really helpful for us to go on a retreat, to get away for a little bit. You say, well, how can I do that? You know, I don't have time to do that. <sighs> well... You can take a walk. Uh, there are times where it's really good for us just to say, you know what, I'm disconnecting, and I'm going to just go sit by the beach, and I'm going to think about the Lord. I'm going to take a walk in the park. This morning, I just happened to get here really early. Well, it was earlier than I normally do. It was around 6.15, 6.30. I was walking in the neighborhood park a distance away, and I was reminded of how... I was reminded of how, how empty the streets were. I was in the middle of, the, of an, a major urban city in America, and I'm walking in the streets where it was, there was a beauty in the silence of the city in that moment. I saw one person walk by. And I, could, I was talking to the Lord about this day, about, in a way, about this moment. I say, Lord, how, how, can I, how can I do a better job of representing your heart? to people who love you and who I want to see love you more, right? Uh, you know, in these moments, some, sometimes it, it might be sitting in a garden. We might just say, you know, I'm going to go sit in, in a backyard somewhere. I'm going to sit on a rooftop. I'm going to get, a, I'm going to get alone with God, and I'm not going to be wired up for anything. I'm just, you know, I'm just going to be with him. Maybe I'll have a verse. Maybe I'll have my Bible on something, but that's about it. I'm going to be really careful. And then what else does Jesus teach us? Secondly, he teaches us, and this is really important, just hear me out. He reminds us that there's a time to realign with why. The why. I was talking to a young man. He was telling me about how he was serving in ministry and how he was starting to feel a little bit like, he's just feeling like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it now and I'm not getting the joy that I used to get out of it. And I, and I said to him, I said, you know what? When I look at you, 
He, he goes, what can you, because he was interacting with the message, right? He's interacting with it with his own life, and he's feeling like, well, I do need to have my, I, I, he goes, I think I've gotten myself into a habit, but I'm not, my heart is disconnecting from what I'm doing. And he goes, and I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. I don't have the joy that I had before with it. And I said, you know what? I go, I, I don't know if I have the absolute answer for you, but I can tell you something that has helped me a lot. And I go, when I start feeling that way, and I, and I go, and there are times when I do. I said, in those moments, I pull back and I try to connect to my why. I asked, why, am, why did I, I said, you have a gift. I know you enough. You have a gift of hospitality. I see it. I said this, young man, I said, when I, talk, when I, I watch you, I watch how accommodating, I watch how you smile, I watch what a servant's heart you have, I watch how you welcome people in. I go, honestly, do you understand? You are a bridge for some people. The impression you make, the way in which you serve, I go, remember, you're not just doing, I go, I'm just telling you, it's helped me a couple of times when I've been discouraged or feeling like, does it make a difference? Lord, you hit some negative stuff, and all of a sudden, it's so easy to start feeling sorry for yourself, right? And I remember myself, you know what? What were you, what were you called to do? Periodically, I'll say, I go back to, okay, just bear with me. For me personally, so now I've got a story within a story, all right? I'll go back into... I go back to when I first started following Jesus as a young man, and I, got, and I had a verse that I came across, and I felt like the Lord said, this is your life verse. And so it was, in, it was in Luke 22. It was 31 and 32 when Jesus was talking to Peter, and he says, you know, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He wants to tear you apart, but I've prayed for you. When you're restored, then the phrase came up, strengthen your brethren. And I felt like the Lord said to me in that moment, this is what you're, when you're, at, when you're doing what I've asked you to do, that's what, what you're supposed to do. That's your why. That's your why. And, and all of us need, you know, sometimes we need a seasonal why. But we reconnect back to the why. It's a, I said to the, the young man, I said, you understand, you are a bridge. You can't say what God's going to do in someone's life. And it starts a lot of times because you used your gift to help create a platform from someone else. You're not just doing something. You're creating an avenue that allows someone to be impacted by the living word of God. That's, that means something. That's your why. And every now and then, it's good to sit back and remember, this is the why. I think that's part of what Jesus was doing. I think he was, he, he was reminding us of, of alignment. And the last thing I'll say about it, and it's the third piece here that, I, that we drew out, again, reconnecting it all the way back, but the, the, that there are times where we're going to have to stay committed to our primary purpose. And Jesus, it's like Jesus did. Okay, what am I talking about? That, look at that last verse. It says that when his response, which seems a little bit awkward initially, let us go into the towns for, that I may preach there. Also, for this purpose I have come forth. He's basically saying, look, look what Jesus is doing. Do you see it? Do you see what he's doing? He's reconnecting to his purpose, and he's saying, look, everybody, Peter, Peter and the guys say, you got to come back. They all want to talk to you. They want to have a follow-up. They want to follow-up. And, and you've you got to come back and let's talk to them. And, and, and Jesus says, you know what? That's not going to happen. My larger calling, my larger purpose, which I have clarified, is to share this message in a broader way. And it reminds us sometimes that, what we, that the, old, the phrase, that sometimes the enemy of the best is the good. It wasn't a bad thing that Jesus was being asked to do. But what he basically said was, it's a good thing but it's not the right thing. Because what, what the Father has asked me to do is to take this message of the kingdom and proclaim it in a broad way. We're going on. I'm not getting stuck in, and I'm using it not in a demeaning way, but I'm not going to get stuck in the weeds right now. 
I'm going to stay with my purpose. How did that get clarified? It got clarified because he carved out space to align himself with the Father. So it is with you and me. Going all the way back to Psalm 92, it's not only about the morning time, but it's also about the nighttime. And we'll, we'll finish with this. It's about remembering that we all sort of declare his faithfulness in the night. And I, one of the things that I've realized is the older generations actually had something, right? When they said at the end of their day, they would, they taught the little ones to say, and, not, and they would do it. They would, they, would get down there, they would get down and they would say their prayers. It was a habit, a custom, a way. Some of us may still do that. What was it a way of doing? It was a way of ending the day by saying thank you to God and to praying for the people I love. I was thinking about this. And I had a little prayer that I just kind of jotted down. I didn't get it in time to the team to put in the handout, so I asked them if they could just kind of put it up there, and I realized it. And I asked them if they could leave it up longer, even during the offering, if someone wanted to copy it down. But it's basically, it says this. We'll just go ahead and put that up. It said this, and it's, just, it's something that I was just hoping that we could be thinking about anyway. Lord, I open my day by expressing my appreciation, my appreciation for your love and kindness. I want to thank you for the gift of being loved. I'll start right there. This opening of my day, I thank you. I welcome you into it. And I close my day by thanking you for your faithfulness for, and, for, and for your keeping power, right? As I, and I love this, entrust my life to you even now as I go to sleep and close my eyes and there's an entrustment that occurs. This is the way we are. We are to live our life close to God. In the beginning and at the end of my day, I thank you for this gift of a new day, Lord. It is a gift. I, I welcome you into it. In fact, it was John Bunyan, and this one I did put in the handout. John Bunyan said this, the one who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. <laughs> Meet him in the morning. Thank him at the end. You know how healthy that is? You know how powerfully healthy that is? You know how harder that is? This is harder now than any time, I think, in the history of humanity. Because the cycles of day and night are just blown up. But to be able to begin our day and end our day, this is a key to a thriving, growing life with God. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you. We thank you. We want to move forward with you. Even as we walk through the ups and downs of life, the tragedies, the victories, the blessings, the difficulties, the things that make it so easy for us to believe, the hard spaces where it's so hard to trust. We welcome you into all those places. We welcome you into our faith. We welcome you into our doubt. We do. Even though we know you're, you're pushed, pushed away by it, Lord, still have mercy on us. Help our unbelief. So we pray, Lord, even as we close the service out with this amazing ending of benediction, this song, which is a prayer, which is a poem, and an earnest appeal. So I pray that as we, we end our time and move forward into the rest of our week, that you would, you would not only bless our time of giving, but you would bless this closing song as well. And that would be a fitting end. Let our hearts stay tender before you. This is what we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.